So today we're talking about conflict. Now, I'm not really a betting man, but I'm going to take a wild guess, and I'm going to say that if you have a social media account, if you've watched the television ever, if you've been alive, you've witnessed some type of conflict with others. You've either been involved or you've seen it play out in front of you. And today, our, our text isn't going to go into the conflict itself as much, but the source of the conflict. Why do we fight with others? Why do we quarrel with others? What's the root cause of our conflict? And so, grab a Bible or open up the Bible app, or you can follow along on the screens. We're in James chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and you do not have, so you murder you covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for everyone in this room today. I thank you that you have brought them here to this place, and I pray that you would put on my heart, let come from my lips your words. The words that we need to hear this morning, I pray that we would trust that your word is good, that your word is powerful, and that your word doesn't come back void, but it heals us in the way that we need to be healed. It convicts us in the way that we need to be convicted and ultimately it brings us closer to you. And so, Jesus, we pray these things in your name by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. So, if you haven't seen any of the movies, I'm sure you've heard of the name Rocky. There are six Rocky movies. There's eight, if you include the new Creed movies. Some of them are great, and some of them are eh. But... Most would consider the very first Rocky movie to be the best. In fact, most people would probably consider the very first Rocky movie to be one of the greatest sports films of all time. So if you're not familiar with the story, real quick, um, Sylvester Stallone plays Rocky Balboa. He's a, a small-time, nobody boxer from Philadelphia. And he gets the opportunity to fight Apollo Creed, who is the heavyweight champion of the world. And the night before the fight, Rocky, he's filled with nerves, he can't sleep, and so he, he goes to the arena where the fight's going to take place the next day, and he spends some time walking around the city, and he comes into his apartment, and he sits down on his bed, and he says to his girlfriend, Adrian, 
I'm not going to use Rocky's voice because you won't be able to understand me, so you'll have to just imagine in your head what it sounds like. He says this, he said, I can't do it. I can't beat him. I've been out there walking around thinking, I mean, who am I kidding? I'm not even in this guy's league. But it doesn't matter because I was a nobody before. I was a nobody. And that don't matter either. It really doesn't matter if I lose this fight. It really doesn't matter if this guy opens up my head. Because all I want to do is go the distance. Nobody's ever gone the distance with creed. And if I can go that distance and that bell rings and I'm still standing, I'm going to know for the first time in my life that I weren't just another bum from the neighborhood. You see, to, to Rocky, this fight was more than a fight. If he goes the distance, if he's standing when the final bell rings, he's a somebody. If he gets knocked out, he's still a nobody. He's just another bum from the neighborhood. You see, Rocky, for him, this fight was more than a fight. It was an opportunity for him to prove to himself that he is a person of value, a person of worth, that his life has meaning, that it has purpose, he can finally silence that voice that says, you're not good enough. You don't measure up. If we're being honest with ourselves, we have those same desires, cravings, longings to be a person of worth and value, to know that our lives matter that we have a purpose. And if we're honest with ourselves, whatever form it takes, we all hear that voice. You're not good enough. You don't measure up. This is the exact same voice that Adam and Eve heard way back in the garden. Genesis 3, verses 6 and 7. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. You see, before this moment, Adam and Eve, they'd been naked and unashamed. They had everything. Everything that they wanted, they had. They had God in their midst always. Things were good. But they weren't satisfied with that. They wanted, they wanted more. They didn't trust that God had their best interests in mind. They thought he was holding out on them. And so they decided to do the one thing that he had told them not to do. They decided to eat from the one tree that they weren't supposed to eat from. And now, they felt naked. They felt shame. For the first time, they heard those words. You're not good enough. You don't measure up. But here's the problem. Fig leaf, loincloths, go in the distance, 
material possessions, success, relationships, the approval of others, your morality, your religious activities, they can't silence that voice. They aren't a sustainable source of self-worth. You see, that voice, those desires that we have to measure up, they're spiritual. They are these spiritual voices telling us, you don't measure up. You're not good enough. And here's the reality. They're right. Spiritually speaking, none of us measure up. None of us are good enough. All have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus tells us, You, therefore, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. We know that we don't measure up spiritually. We have a spiritual problem that physical, earthly things can't solve. You can't solve something spiritual with the physical, with the earthly. We need a spiritual answer. We need a sustainable source of self-worth. We need something spiritual to silence this voice that we keep hearing. Well, James is writing to Christians. He's writing to the church. He's writing to you, and he's writing to me. He's writing to people who, by grace and grace alone, have received the answer, Jesus Christ. You see, the good news of Christianity is this. Jesus, the one who has always been good enough, the one who has always measured up, the ultimate somebody on the cross became a nobody. So that people like you and me, Adam and Eve, Rocky Balboa, can finally feel and be somebody to God. You see, the good news of Christianity is that on the cross, Jesus silenced the voice of condemnation when he cried out, it is finished, shut up. You don't get to say that anymore to my people. You see, the good news of Christianity is that Jesus, the God of ultimate worth, laid down that worth so that we, people who struggle feeling worthless, who struggle feeling as if we don't have value, could take that worth and enjoy an eternally worthful life with him. We are able, by the grace of God, to experience peace and contentment 
because we have the answer that we desperately long for. So why then does James say this in verse 1? What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You see, this word war in the verse means a, a disquieting of the soul. Why are we not feeling as though our, our souls are, are quiet? I mean, if we're honest, we all feel this restlessness, this, this lack of peace, this lack of con contentment. Why do we feel that? If we know the answer, if we have the answer, if we are with him, why do we still feel that we aren't at rest? So this happens more often than I'd like to admit, but I lose my sunglasses, and I, I search everywhere in the house. Everywhere I search, I can't find them. So then I start blaming everybody in the house. You took my sunglasses. Why did you take my sunglasses? Nobody did anything. Still can't find it. So right before the time I'm about to dial 911, because the only obvious solution is that somebody broke into our house, they, they took my cheap Amazon sunglasses, they left everything else, they left, locked the door behind themselves, and now they're somewhere out there on the loose. Right before I'm about to do that, I find them. I'm sure you know where I found them. Because I'm sure it's happened to you. They're on my head. I've been searching for these sunglasses that I've had the whole time. I was searching for something I already had. We don't experience peace the way we should experience peace. We don't experience contentment the way we should experience contentment because when that old voice starts to cry out at us, you're not, you're not worthy. You don't measure up. You're not good enough. Instead of taking Martin Luther's advice and saying, so when the devil throws your sins in your face and declares that you deserve death and hell, tell him this. I admit that I deserve death and hell. What of it? For I know one who suffered and made satisfaction on my behalf. His name is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And where he is, I shall be also. No, we don't say that. We say, I'll be good enough. I'll measure up. I'll work harder. I'll try harder. I'll gather more things so that I can silence this voice that has already been silenced by Christ. You see, this search for contentment, this search to make ourselves feel, feel, feel worthy and, and valuable and, and to have purpose and meaning, this search, we already have a Savior who has done those things for us. He has silenced that voice, but yet we continue to, to search in all of the wrong places. 
and this, this search for something we already have, it doesn't just affect us, it affects the people around us. You desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. We aren't able to love people the way we're called to love people because we end up using people. The people that we feel we are better than, whatever that looks like, we use them to say, well, at least I'm not like that person. And we boost ourselves up. We make ourselves feel better. And the people who we feel are better than we are, we find ways to to tear them down in our minds. We, we find ways to avoid them altogether. Either way, we don't love them the way that we are called to love them. We neglect people. We neglect those around us because we're pursuing something that we think we need when we already have Jesus, who is everything we could ever hope for, want, or need. I think about all of the, the families who have probably been broken apart because one parent or both parents have pursued something so hard that the children or the spouse have just kind of fallen by the wayside. You see, and that's the way sin works. James, James uses the word murder in this verse, and I don't think there's actual murder taking place. He's waking us up to a reality. Sin, covetousness, a desire for more, a thirst that can't be quenched, it can very quickly spiral out of control. Just ask King David. King David is a man after God's own heart. All it took was one extra long look. One extra moment where he looked at Bathsheba. Next thing you know, adultery is taking place. Conspiracy to commit murder is taking place. Murder itself is taking place because sin can spiral out of control so quickly. I'm sure you know people, or maybe you've been someone whose lives have spiraled out of control in a pursuit for something to make them feel happy or satisfied or a person of worth or value. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. One of my favorite Garth Brooks songs is called Unanswered Prayers. And it's this song about some guy who is looking back on his life and he thinks about all of these things that he wanted, all of these things that his younger self thought he needed to be happy. 
And now he's reflecting on all these things he doesn't have. And he's reflecting on his life, and he goes, you know, sometimes I thank God for all of these unanswered prayers. I, for a long time, I had wanted to be in full-time ministry. I had wanted to go to seminary and become a pastor. I'm not. I'm a PE teacher, so those who can't do teach and those who can't teach, teach gym, right? So do with, do with that one what you want. But here's the thing. Ever since I was young, I've struggled with needing people's approval of me. If people approve of me, I'm feeling good. I am, I'm a worthy person. And if they don't, it crushes me. And, and here's the thing about people pleasers. If you are one, you'll know. Usually, this desire hurts the people closest to you the most. Because the people you really want the approval from are not the people who are closest to you. You know they'll never leave. It's the people who you're not too sure of. And so I never ended up being in full-time ministry. And I look back at that prayer during that period of my life and I say, God, thank you for not answering that prayer. Because me being in full-time ministry, being a pastor of a church, now I'm justified. I'm justified in leaving my family by the wayside because I've got people to care for. I've got to prepare sermons that are going to impress, and so I don't have time for the things that God has ultimately called me to do. Be a good father. Be a good husband. That would have wreaked havoc in my household. And it also would have wreaked havoc with my relationship with God. Because if I succeeded, well, now I'm getting what I want. I'm feeling good. My, my need for him isn't quite like it should be. And if things aren't going well, I'm crushed. God, I'm doing your work. What? Why? Why isn't this satisfying me? And so I avoid him altogether. You see, when God doesn't answer our prayers, he's not angry with us. He wants something more for us. He wants us to know that he is enough. You see, the ultimate battle that we have to fight is this fight of faith. The greatest conflict going on is the conflict within us. It's, it's this battle of belief to remember that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We are a forgetful people. The Bible is filled with examples of God telling the Israelites, to do this particular thing and do it in remembrance of me. The Passover is all about the people of Israel remembering the Exodus story, how God had rescued them from Egypt. The Lord's Supper, do this in remembrance of me. We are forgetful. 
And so we spend our lives searching for something that we already have in Jesus. And so the hardest thing that we have to do is trust that he is enough. And trusting that Jesus is enough, grace is the root. Contentment, peace is the fruit. And so I want to leave us with some words of wisdom from the Apostle Paul that go like this. I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. You see, the opposite of contentment is covetousness, a boiling over with desire. He says, I've learned in any and all situations how to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. I can have a lot and I can have a little. In every in any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of placing, of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him, Christ, who strengthens me. You may be successful. You may not. You may be In a great relationship, you may not. You may have a lot, you may have a little. But here's the reality. We can face whatever life throws our way with an underlying sense of peace. We can love the people around us because ultimately, those things we don't need, they're great. They're blessings, but we don't need them at our root. We have what we need in Christ, trusting that he is enough for us. I pray that we would leave this place. If you've never you've never considered Jesus as the answer to this longing, I pray that you would think it over long and hard. I pray that if you leave this place today and you are someone who can't quite find the rest that you so desperately want, I pray that you would breathe. And I pray that you would sit and I pray that you would remind yourself that he is enough. And if you're feeling good right now, and you're feeling content, and you are feeling, yes, I know that Christ is enough, those voices will start whispering to you again. And I pray that you would look back on these words and you would say, Jesus is enough. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this opportunity 
to speak words of comfort to your people. Forgive us. We are a people who long for so much when we already have everything. And we know that this causes conflict with people around us. And ultimately, it keeps us from fully going in on you, trusting that we can face whatever this life has for us because we have you. We are known by you. We are loved by you. You will never leave us. You will never forsake us. The world might leave, but you will never leave. Let that be good news to our souls. Let that calm our souls. I don't know what conflict people in this room are experiencing right now, but I know that you are able to work in the midst of it and you are able to bring them to a place where they can be content, peaceful, restful, regardless of their circumstances. And so these words, we pray in your name, Jesus. We pray these things in the power of your Holy Spirit.